Hey everyone, welcome back to Soap Lore. Man, is it getting good. We are still on the first season of the original Dynasty, episode 12. Now, if episode 11 was about power, then episode 12 is about the responsibility that comes with great power. It's also about feeling powerless. It's about confusion. It's about a lot of things. And it, it is, wow. Twist I totally never saw coming. I hope you're ready because we're going to jump right in. I'm going to mention Jeff briefly because he's only in it at the beginning, but Jeff is still in his feelings from the other night where at the birthday party where he had to embarrass the rest of the family. Jeff's not having it. Jeff is resolved to, if you're going to make my life difficult, I'm going to make your life difficult. He's chilling by the pool. Fallon is upset because her car is not working. She needs him to get dressed and give her a ride. And he promptly pushes her into the pool. Blake takes Crystal with him on an appointment. The appointment turns out to be a jeweler who's going to appraise the emeralds to see if he can get a little bit of money out of them. Crystal's freaking out because, of course, she still believes these are the scammer jewels. Once they're appraised, however, they actually are worth $70,000. Blake only paid sixty dollars for them. So she's really confused and she puts two and two together and realizes that he's known all along and he's toying with her. Once they get back home, they're in the library and she, you know, she confronts him about it and, and he says that they should just put it behind them. She's learned her lesson at this point. Matthew Blaisdell is not a charity case for him to fund. And she says she doesn't, you know, she doesn't feel bad about it. Joseph comes in, Blake leaves. And then Joseph is extremely disrespectful to her. He, he tells her he doesn't like her tone and when she threatens to tell Blake, he's like, well, Blake's not on your good side right now. So I don't really think you're going to say anything. And she just, she has to slump over and the couch in his, in his study, because now it's like, I have to fully sit with the fact that I married this man. I don't have power. He knows everything. There's no move I can make that he doesn't know about. And she's just kind of the weight of the marriage, the weight of his recent drinking, him attacking her. It's a lot. She's, you can just see it on her face. She's sitting there thinking, what's my next move? What can I do? Blake decides that he's going to drop off Stephen's housewarming gift or just his welcome to your, to adulthood gift. He goes over to his apartment and Stephen is actually at work, but Ted's still there. Remember Ted came in last episode. He and Stephen had a moment that I left that part out, I think, but Ted's at the apartment Ted is chest naked because he just jumped out of the shower. He opens the door. Surprise, surprise, it's Blake. Neither one of them know who each other are right at first. Blake thinks he's got the wrong place and he asks for Stephen Carrington. Oh, this is his place. Oh, okay. And once they start having, you know, that that very gentle, that very generic, hi, how are you? How is your flight? Blah, blah, that kind of conversation. Blake figures out who this is. And he starts messing with him a little bit, asking how he knows Stephen and Ted is so shook that he's just answering yes to anything Blake says. So Blake's like, did you go to school with him? Yes. College? Yeah. Did you live in the same dorm? That one he says no. He says, oh, no, I lived off campus. And Blake says with your lady, knowing exactly who this is, because this kid is, he, he has no poker face. So luckily, Stephen comes home just in, the amount of, just in time. And Blake gives him his gift and he does that nasty, nice thing. It's the same thing he did to Crystal when they were going over the jewels. It's like, I really know what's going on, but I'm going to speak to you in this totally polite voice. And I'm going to smile. I'm going to invite you over just to throw you off your game a little bit. And this is the first time that I've ever seen Steven. He didn't lie, but he didn't just outright tell Blake who Ted was, which I thought was a little bit unusual. But later in the episode, you kind of figure out why. 
So Blake leaves and uh, Stephen and Ted go out for a night on the town or so they say. What actually happens is they go to dinner and I don't think that Stephen is trying to not be gay. I think that Stephen is like a bohemian. He's more of a nomad. He's a he's got wanderlust. He wants to please his dad. Yes, but I don't think he would change his sexuality to do so. In this instant, he's just not into Ted anymore. You know what I mean? He tells Ted on this date, or let me not call it a date because that's not what it is. They go out to dinner and Ted's trying to uh, spark that. He wants him to remember how great life was in New York. I think that Ted's coming from a place of if you stay here, you're just going to turn into your dad. You, you, I can only imagine what Stevens told him about his father. So he wants him to come back to New York. He's like, you're clearly not happy here. Just come home. But Stephen's not having it. Stephen's actually, this is the first time in Stephen's life that he's been able to stand on his own two feet. He's making all of his own choices. He's slowly but surely removing himself from the clutches of his dad. He stood up to him and it's like, what more could you ask? Stephen needs to figure out who Stephen is for himself. Like I said, I think he's just He's a wandering, he's a free spirit, not in the sense where anything goes, but how could you really know who you are if someone has told you what to do your entire life? He's, he's 21, 24, whatever, how old he is. That's about right. You got to figure out who you are. And sometimes that means upsetting people that you care about. Meanwhile, back at the mansion, Carrington's are, are going through it. Crystal knows that Blake knows, she knows what he'll do. And Blake is going through it in his own way. He, things are still not good for him financially. He's been drinking more and more and everybody's noticed, even the staff, but no one's confronted him about it. He, so he's in his library and they've got that sexy filter on. And I don't know why they're playing like a that kind of horn. It's, it's like he's in a jazz club or something with no music, but he's at his desk, completely out of his mind, drunk. He's slumping over. Joseph actually has to pick him up and take him upstairs so that he can go to bed. He's completely blacked out. Crystal's upstairs and she's still dressed for the day. She, she lets him, she tells him everything that's on her heart. Basically, I love you, but I can't live with you. You're low key, a horrible person. And I just don't want to be here anymore. So she packs a very discreet bag and Crystal dips. We don't realize this until the next morning and Blake wakes up and he doesn't remember the night at all. I should note that she told him everything, but he was definitely asleep when she did it. He was laid out on the bed, no socks or no shoes on, beautiful salt and pepper hair, disheveled. Side note, Blake Carrington has a great head of hair. He's given Fallon a, ro- a run for her money. You remember when we talked about the, the roller sets in the 80s, how they toss their curls back and forth? Well, he when he gets upset, that's how you know he's drunk or that's how you know that something's going really bad. If Blake's hair is is coiffed, he's in a good spot. But once that dark liquor hits his bloodstream, once he gets upset, he starts shaking his hair around and it gets loose, but it is gorgeous. That man has a gorgeous, thick, beautiful head of hair. Anyway, he wakes up the next morning and he's just as happy as he can be. And he, he asks Joseph why Crystal's Mercedes is still in the driveway. And Joseph has to be like, ah, so about that. Um, Crystal left. She's, she's not here. And Blake's, oh, oh, okay. Well, when is she coming back? No, no, no. Like, like when I said she left, like she's gone, gone. Like she left, <laughs> she left you, I should say. Blake is 
completely shocked. And you can see the remorse in his face. And it's like, if you can just, he's upset. He, but he does, he can't let, he can't let hope die. So he, he believes that she's going to come back. Meanwhile, Crystal is halfway across town renting an automobile and she gets into, she goes into a phone booth. Haven't seen a phone booth in years. I actually think I miss that era, if I'm being honest. I remember like a payphone, and I've, I've actually seen a couple of payphones here and there, but yeah, like an actual booth that you get in like Bill and Ted. Yeah, she gets in one of those and she calls. <clears throat> yes, who do you think she calls? You know who she calls. She calls Matthew. The phone rings at the rig, even though it's off the hook. I don't know why that works, but it does. He answers, Matthew answers, and she tells him that she's leaving He's visibly upset and he he begs her basically don't leave without seeing me and she says that's probably the worst thing we can do and then he said well let's just do the worst thing. And of course they meet at their place their very special place on the side of the hills are alive with the sound of music hill looking out over the beautiful landscape. And of course they kiss. He he tells her he really wants her to stay, but ultimately it, it, they go back and forth, but both of them know that they're not, nothing that either one of them can say is going to change anything. He'll always love her. She'll always love him, but she's going to go back to Ohio. She's done with, it. she's been a rich man's wife. She's been a cowboy's mistress. She's just over it. She gets in this really long Lincoln and she drives away in her fur, of course. That's the thing though. She Maybe she was overwhelmed, not only by Blake, but the pressure of being Mrs. Carrington. She only got through about $20,000 worth of clothes. So she's like, whatever, just leave. And I can't stress this enough. All we see her with is like an overnight bag, a tiny, tiny overnight bag. But she's gone. She's out of there. And all this goes down before lunch. It's been quite the day already. Back at Stephen's place. Ted has gone out to grab some groceries. Stephen has actually gone back to the mansion to collect the rest of his things. Ted is surprised by a a handwritten note from Stephen left on the telephone, basically saying, thank you for what we had, but I really need you to get out. Like, you gotta go. It's, It's over. And at first I thought, wow, that's a really horrible way to end things. But I forgot that he's already ended things. Stephen ended things long before he left, long before we met him. You know, he he actually left New York. And if you remember at the very first episode, the first time we meet Stephen is actually in the Middle East. So he has been gone for over a year and a half. I remember that from the first episode because he was blitzed out of his mind and Matthew had to get him together. Stephen has been gone for over a year and a half. So that means he's been broken up with Ted for at least that long at least that long. So all in all, it's not a horrible way to break up with someone if you've already done it before. But Ted is just not taking no for an answer. He's as polite as he can be about it, at least to Stephen. Now there's a whole other thing that goes on with Claudia, but I think you should probably just see that for yourself. I'll leave that part of this episode out. Anyway, Ted is not having it. He doesn't want to take no for an answer. So he gets angry and he goes over to the Carringtons. He goes up, he goes to the mansion and he goes up to Stephen's room and they have a conversation. Ted, Ted needs to hear it from himself. He's like, is it Claudia? Is this why you're doing this? Are you trying to prove something to your dad? And like I said before, I don't think that Stephen would lie about his sexuality in any way. He's not ashamed. So there's no reason to lie. But I also don't think that Ted is accepting the fact that let's say that Stephen does want to continue to date men or whatever. He doesn't want to date you. He doesn't really owe you that many more explanations why. But I understand people need closure, so whatever. And Stephen tells him as much. He just says, it's not, it really isn't you, it's me. 
I am figuring out who I am, what I want in my life. And for the first time ever, I know exactly what I want. And of course, Ted still, still, Ted still thinks it's Claudia. And he's like, it's not Claudia. I, I, I basically, I choose myself. I choose me. I'm not even seeing Claudia anymore. Sometimes you're going to hurt people when you choose yourself. After he hears this, he he sits back and he, he accepts it. He accepts it and they're talking. But unbeknownst to he and Steven, Blake is home. And Blake is, is kind of frantic because he's waiting to see if Crystal has shown up. And of course, she hasn't shown up. Like she said, he didn't know she's on her way to Ohio, but that's what she said. So because Blake has had such a hard day, he's asking who's home. Is Fallon home? Is Jeff home? And they're like, no, I don't think so. Fallon may be here, but uh, Steven's here and his friend's here. And this sets Blake off. And he's, oh my God, not in my house, like as if. So he goes flying up the stairs and his, his hair comes a little bit undone. So he probably had a little something to drink in the limousine, maybe at the office, who knows. He comes flying upstairs and he bursts into Steven's room and he starts going off on both of them. Now, right as he walked in, mind you, this is two grown men packing up stuff. There's zero chemistry. I'll say that about the casting. There's zero chemistry. Steven's packing his stuff. Ted is helping him. And right as he comes, as Blake burst into the room like a madman, Stephen and Ted have just shook hands and they're hugging. There's nothing going on. Well, Blake decides he wants to fight. So he starts flailing and swinging and he attacks Ted and he's wrestling. And Fallon must have just shown up because she comes running down the hall and she's standing in the doorway. Blake is pushing him and yelling and going off and everybody is, is thoroughly freaked out and they want everything to calm down. Poor Ted is push slash trips over a box. And because this is a mansion, after all, every room has a fireplace and it has one of those like it's it's a brass thing on the floor, I guess, to keep you from falling into the fire. Unfortunately for Ted, that's exactly where he lands. He's probably like six two. So he trips over the box or he's pushed over the box, slams his head on the brass bit and dies. Ted is dead. Not in a million years. Not in a million years did I see that coming. Total plot twist. Blake is freaking out. Fallon's freaking out. And he's like, I really, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. And of course, it ends with to be continued. Wow, great episode. One of my favorites so far from this season. As usual, I left out a few scenes so that you can enjoy them for yourself if you so choose. I highly recommend it because yes, Dynasty is still worth the hype. All right, it's countdown time. And of course, we get to take away one thing this week and add something I didn't see coming. We still have two oil rigs, sabotage, one sabotage at least three times, five fists. Now, this is where it gets a little sticky. Y'all pardon me. I'm sorry. I have my sparkling water here. If you can hear it bubbling. This is where it gets a little bit sticky for me because Ted, I mean, they wrestled. I wouldn't say anyone was punched, but there was definitely a tussle. Perhaps I'll say that. There was a tussle. We're still at five physical fist fights. One tussle, one hired beating, that's Michael, one pack of dogs. Sadly, no more dogs have shown up. One count of blackmail, one count of bribery, one idle threat, four accents, half of a first slap, three stare downs, two from Crystal and Fallon, and one from Jeff and Blake. Two marriages, sort of. We don't know if this last one is going to stick. Several forbidden kisses, six mandrums. One incredibly uncomfortable dinner where 90% of the dinner table is read for filth. Brought to us proudly by Jeff Colby. We have to add a murder or a death? Let's say an accidental death. I don't think it's a murder. He didn't like 
planned to kill him. He was obviously drunk, but it was still wrong. So we have blood on the hands of Blake Carrington, quite literally. Well, the jewelry count is back up, I suppose. We still have the bonafide blue diamonds. I guess the scammer jewels are still around somewhere, but the real ones have made an appearance again. So jewelry count is back up. This has been the most drama ever around a necklace. It's been quite dramatic. So this week's honorable mention is a two-way tie. First going to one of my newest favorite people, Mr. Jeff Colby, throwing caution to the wind and his wife into the pool. It was a beautiful way to open the episode. He's still in his feelings, but rightfully so. I'll give him a couple more episodes before he has to get over it. The other honorable mention goes to Blake Carrington's beautiful salt and pepper hair. It was shimmy and shaking all over the screen this episode. He did a lot. It was sweaty. It was coiffed. It was beautiful. Way to show up, guys. Round of applause for Jeff and Blake's hair. We have another two-way tie for best actor in a melodrama this episode. Drum roll, please. Between Blake and Ted. Ted was a lover scorned, showing up to recapture something that was gone. Unfortunately, he's dead this episode. He was sweet. He was salty. He was sad. He was happy. But now he's just deceased. Shout out to Ted. Excellent run. I enjoyed every scene with him in it. Blake, I really, really enjoyed his range. This episode was all over the place. He was bold. He was brash. He was shocked when his love decided that she wasn't going to take it anymore. He was enraged. He was filthy drunk, like drunk out of his shoes. He was sad. He was remorseful. He was a lot of things. He was a lot of things. And it just goes to show you like that power. The only power he really has at this point is in his household. And if he doesn't really, if he doesn't learn to wane his, his anger, it could potentially ruin his life. Now I'm going to step out on a limb here and assume considering that there's nine seasons, I I bet he's going to be okay after this, but it was great to see him act a fool this episode. All right, guys, we only have two more episodes left this season. And if you've been listening, you know that I've started to watch Falcon Crest. It also has two episodes left in this se- in their first season. So we're going to compare and contrast. Next week, I'll do two episodes, one for Falcon Crest, one for The Wonderful Dynasty, and then we'll do the finales together just because I want to see how they pair up together. So far, so good. I would I would have to say Dynasty's just a little bit ahead for me. Falcon Crest has picked up a little bit more, but we're going to see what happens. You guys stay safe, have a great week, and make sure to keep your drama on TV.